If you're like most men in our audience, you're committed to becoming the man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be. But the truth of the matter is, you struggle with either finding the time or knowing where to start. That's exactly why I created the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint to give you a step-by-step, easy-to-follow guide to spiritually leading your family, even if you're a new believer. Now, you can't buy the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint, but you can get it for free by signing up for our free e-newsletter. By signing up, you will be notified anytime fresh content is added to my site, so you don't always have to visit my blog to stay up-to-date on the latest information. Now, to get your free copy of the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint, just visit realmenconnect.com and simply enter your name and email address on the form on the page. So if you're tired of trying to figure it all out and fit it all in as the spiritual leader, provider, and protector of your family, don't miss your chance to discover how to be the man God called and created you to be. Sign up today at realmenconnect.com. Welcome to Real Men Connect. Are you ready to be the extraordinary man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be? Then get ready to receive wisdom and guidance from some of the country's most respected men of faith as you learn everything you need to know to go from good man to great man God's way. No judgment, no shame. Just real men with real challenges seeking real change. All for God's glory. Hello, mighty men of God, and welcome to the Real Men Connect podcast, where we help good men become great men God's way. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Martin, and every week we interview some of the nation's most respected and accomplished men of faith to find out what it really takes to become the kind of husband, father, and spiritual leader God called and created us to be. Each interview session is packed with practical, proven biblical principles you can immediately apply in your relationships, on your job, and in your community. Today we have with us uh, one of my favorite guests and a returning guest, Jeff Kassire, or like we like to call him, Coach K. And he's the founder of MVP. That's Men of Valor and Prayer, and he served as a national field director for Man in the Mirror for four years, where he provided ministry expertise and oversight to the Man in the Mirror's field staff located all across the country in 40 states. Coach K has served as a men's pastor for 28 years in South Carolina, Florida, and North Carolina. Coach K has been married for 35 years to his beautiful wife, Candy, and they have two children and one grandchild. I met Coach about maybe two years ago when I joined the Man in the Mirror team as an area director and now as a field representative. And as you will soon find out, Coach K's knowledge and passion for reaching and engaging and empowering men is contagious. Now, the last time Coach was on the show earlier this year, he discussed and talked about the five types of men and the best ways to reach them as mentors, disciple makers, and ministry leaders. Now, that was back in episode 21, and it's now in our top 10 of most downloaded shows. Coach, I don't know if you even knew that. (laughs) So make sure you guys go out and go back and listen to that particular episode. That's episode 21. But today I invited Coach back on the show, not just because he's one of my favorite people on the planet who I respect and admire as a man, but because of his ability to minister, mentor, and reach men who are hard to reach. So I wanted to bring him back on the show to talk about one specific group of men who seem to be the most challenging to reach, and that's what we call the men on the fringe. Welcome back to the show, Coach. Joe, it's great to be in the house. We're just excited how God is working in and through you with Real Men Connect. 
And I hope that today some insights can be shared so that men's discipleship leaders can realize that when men get it right, everybody wins. Absolutely. Absolutely. And coach, you know, I know the show Real Men Connect is based on the format of reaching men out there who desire to be better husbands, better fathers and spiritual leaders. And typically we don't do give a lot of time on the show to ministry leaders or men in leadership positions at their church or in their community who are trying to rally and bring men in. And, you know, that's my platform. That's what God has called me to. So I'm always excited about bringing guys like you who this is their life mission, their passion of reaching men like that. And we talked about the five types of men. And I told you that was one of the top 10 shows that's been downloaded on Real Men Connect. And so I'm encouraging guys to go back and listen to that. I often refer guys to that who are in ministry. And they say, Joe, how do we reach these men? But today I, I told you we plan to bring you back on a long time ago because we knew that this was a topic that men would want to find out more about. Men ministry leaders, of course, will want to find out more about, and that's men on the fringe. Now, I've heard you use that term probably hundreds of times <laughs> talking to you, but for our listening audience, what do you mean by men on the fringe? Who are these men in particular, Coach? Well, Joe, being a former coach, I like to use uh, sports analogies, and so uh, people maybe can resonate with this, but let's just imagine the sport of golf and how we could learn something about these five types of men. Yes, while this is designed for men's discipleship leaders, this is also for the average guy at a one-on-one, life-on-life level, because he has many friends Mm -hmm. who are on the fringe. Let's put them in context and using this golf analogy. Well, the first type of man we talked about on Podcast 21, he's the guy that's in the woods. Then we talked about this guy who's on the fringe. There are some guys who are on the green. There are some guys who are closest to the pin. Then those guys are in the traps of life. And so as we break down these five types, we're going to zero in it today. And these guys are on the fringe. They're somewhat close to what God designs for them in their own journey to biblical manhood. But they also distance themselves from being fully surrendered. Now, the average church or the average leader or even in a one-on-one context, it's easy to work with those guys who are on the green. And it's even easier to work with those guys who are closest to the pen. They're having a heart and a hunger for God. But it takes patience and perseverance to reach these other types, particularly these guys on the fringe. Now, Coach, um, with the guy on the fringe, and I like the way you said you said friends on the fringe because, yeah, for a person who's not in a ministry leadership position, he still God, you know, Jesus called us all to go out and make disciples. So that means even that man who's on a construction site, <laughs> that man who's on a bowling league or whatever, he still has a, uh, a responsibility as a Christian man to reach out to men like that. But Coach, um, how you know we, we could talk about reaching that man, and then this is a challenge. But how serious? is this particular segment of the population. In other words, if you had to take an educated guess, Coach, what percentage of men would you be? Would you will consider men or friends on the fringe? Well, those ministries that are research-based, uh, Man in the Mirror is one of those. We've uh, estimated 40 to 70% really? of every congregation is filled with men in the fringe. But I like to broaden it out to the community at large because this is a personal calling of mine. I enjoy and want to see all five types reached, but as far as a personal calling, I've given my life to these guys, and to know what makes them tick, to know some common characteristics among them, and so they just have a large percentage of the population, and so uh, I invite guys to kick the tires. We welcome their questions about spiritual matters, and so it's important as we'll implement some of these strategies today with leaders that they grasp a full understanding 
of who these guys are, but they're a large percentage of every church, and they're obviously a large percentage of the population. And I think we need to know that. I didn't know it was that large. I knew it was, you know, you said up to, it could be up to 70%. Wow. 40 to 70%. Wow. That, that's, that's incredible to me. Now, Coach, but we know no man really sets out to become a man on the fringe. So how or why, in your opinion, based on your experience in working with so many men, how do men find themselves? How do they get there, I guess, in other words? What causes a man to become a man on the fringe? You know, uh, one of the things that I learned as a coach was to take a walk to the locker room and get to know my players. Because even in the athletic world, uh, I'm a Clemson Tiger fan, and Coach Dabo Swinney has a little mantra called being all in. Mm -hmm. And we want to see those football players to be all in on their upcoming uh, rivalry game against South Carolina this week. Well, we need to be all in on the Christian life, but a lot of men are not. And why is that the case? And I would say two primary reasons. Number one, there's been a lack of intentionality. From a local church context, or they may have an affiliation, their wife is fully plugged in, their uh, teenagers may be fully involved in the student ministry, they may have children going to vacation Bible school and various other outlet reaches for that. But the men stand back and kind of watch and observe. And here's some typical things that we see happen in their lives. Number one, the busyness of life. These guys are just way too busy, but oftentimes with the wrong things. Secondly, they are not very interested in spiritual matters. They just don't care. Church and, and, and uh, full all-in mindset for God is for the wives, uh, for their kids. Uh, they lack priorities. They're consumed with other pursuits, which causes them to have one foot in and one foot out. But oftentimes, uh, there's not enough on-ramps for these guys to find a pathway or a journey to biblical manhood, and there's a lack of resonance. They don't connect with what's being offered. So that's on the church's watch or the leader's watch or the individual who's trying to reach these guys. I had a pastor in Pennsylvania tell me one time as I would travel the country, I would not just want to take my own observations, but I wanted to learn from each uh, uh, cultural context that I was in. And I would typically ask this question, what is your greatest challenge in reaching these men on the fringe? Mm -hmm. And you would hear some of these common characteristics that I've just alluded to. But I'll never forget one day, a pastor in Pennsylvania said this, those men just don't get it. And I would reverse that coin and I would say, listen, let's flip to the other side. We don't get these men. That is my personal assessment from over three decades of ministry to men on the fringe. We don't get these men. And so there's an expectation. Oftentimes it's not being met. Uh, there's uh, a lot of other breakdowns that take place. And so some of that's on the, uh, the watch of the local church or the marketplace ministry, or even one-on-one, life-on-life uh, endeavors with guys. So, yeah, some of those uh, guys, it's on their watch. We've got to look for the right timing. Therefore, patience and perseverance, making ourselves available. But we got to own our stuff when it's on our watch to make sure that we don't get these men. Right, right, Coach. Yeah, you, Coach, you touched on so many different points just in that um, explanation. And we, hopefully we're going to go back and dig into some of those because, I mean, I'm chomping at the bit to ask some questions about some of those challenges that you mentioned. But I've heard you mention on occasions before, um, I don't believe it was on the air, but I want you to talk about it now. You've mentioned to me before that there's scripture that addresses these types of men. And so what passage of scripture are you referring to with that? Well, the first one I would set as a foundation is Hebrews 5.12. And according to Eugene Peterson's uh, paraphrase, milk is for beginners inexperienced in God's ways and solid food. It's for the mature. So the whole milk versus meat context, 
that many people are familiar with that the New Testament talks about. And yes, we want to see these fringe guys move along to the meat to get the solid food that represents their spiritual maturity. Represented by our golf analogy, hey, let's get on the green and let's make sure we get closer to the pin. As James 4, 8 would say, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. But I love what Eugene Peterson is saying in this passage when he says they are inexperienced in God's ways. Hey, when I used to coach athletes, if there were freshmen coming into our team, rookies, they had to go through a time where the veterans on the team had to give them an indication of what it looks like to be a part of our team, to learn our system, to be able to run our plays. Uh, what was the DNA of our program? There were so many things those guys had to learn, and we've got to come alongside and let the Holy Spirit inspire these men on the fringe to engage in life-on-life life discipleship because they have not had experience along that pathway, and we forget that oftentimes. So let's make sure that we grasp that and engage those men effectively so they can move from being inexperienced to being experienced in God's ways. Now, Coach, um, before and I, and I wrote this down, you said um, you mentioned the busy the business of life is some of the um, the struggles that these guys have um, not interested. And I just kind of just put down apathy, which is one of my pet peeves <laughs> when it comes to us um, as men. Um, lack of priorities in on the church side of it, or at least on the ministry side of it, no entry point. Um, are there any other characteristics of these men that you would like to bring to our attention that we should be aware of when it comes to the men on the fringe? Those are the typical observations I made around the country. You may get an individual uh, person uh, who will be impacted by something at a secondary level, but oftentimes, for example, the business of life, we read that frequently. Time is a modern-day currency. And so no wonder these guys have a lack of priorities because they're allowing themselves to be consumed with many times the wrong things. So even have the wisdom and discernment to make choices that will please and honor God, that plays a part in their lack of spiritual development. Well, the average church says they just kind of dust their hands. Hey, those guys are out there. They're off the green. They're not interested. I'm just going to concentrate with these guys right here. And so we've got to have a different mindset and to recognize, well, why are they being uh, consumed by busyness? Why are they disinterested in spiritual matters? We have to go to them and not expect them to come to us. Then we'll be able to discern those things, including some unique, specific aspects that may relate specifically to one guy. Now, Coach, now you're getting into my wheelhouse now and I guess some of my challenges as a ministry leader. And we're going to start with the business um, of life because you just touched on it right there. But now from a standpoint of us as that, even if it's just a friend on a job, you you have a desire to um, to connect with another guy. And that guy just doesn't seem to have the time or he doesn't believe he has the time. What can we do on an individual basis? Um as a, a, a person who desires to get this man connected and bring him closer, like you said, to the green, what can we do to address that issue in his life when he truly believes he's too busy to get more involved and to be active um, in what we're trying to do with men? Well, in a very practical way, uh, when I get to know uh, these guys, one of the first questions that I typically ask early on and getting to know them and having a good acquaintance session, I'll say, what are some of your hobbies and interests? In fact, Joe, let's do some role play. What, what are some of your hobbies and interests? Um, I love to, to work out and exercise. I love to write. Um, I love to read. I love to um, spend time with my kids and my wife. Um, I love to be physical, do anything that's physical. <laughs> well, let's talk about that first one, for example. Here's a prime reason why we often leave these guys behind. Right. 
and I, and I hear there's some guys. Okay, you, you're going to invest time in your hobbies and interests. You see, we typically will say, well, I'm just too busy. Well, no, we're never too busy to not engage in the areas. Hey, I'm going to be in Clemson, South Carolina this Saturday. Why? I'm a season ticket holder. That's a top priority for me. So what we need to do is, okay, how do we seize the moment? So in your particular case, let's say you were a fringe guy. And your wife is engaged in the church, and she's very much uh, beyond the kicking the tires stage like the, the average fringe guy might be. You might be just be a, you know giving a token attendance, definitely not much allegiance yet. I would want to show up on your turf, and if it wouldn't be me, I would talk to some other guys in the church who are also fitness gurus. And I'd say, Joe, listen, I don't want to take you out of your hobbies and interests, but would you allow God into that part of your life? Would there be something we can experience together? And so whether it be two guys on a hike, two guys going to a car show, two or three guys doing a fitness run, we would leverage that opportunity to take advantage of where you're already investing your time. Therefore, we remove that excuse. I don't want to add something to your life. I want to I I take advantage of what's already taking place in your life and let you reprioritize how you utilize that time. We're not going to pull you out of the gym. We're just going to bring God to the gym, not as a holy Joe, but as a regular joke. Right, right. Coach, that makes perfect sense. Now, now let me put a different spin on that for you then. Because that makes perfect sense if I'm talking to a guy who and I want to find out his interests and what his hobbies are. But if you're now in a church environment where there's hundreds or dozens of men, um, what are some of the best ways to find out those hobbies and interests? Is it just to do a survey or something? What would you suggest would be some of the most effective ways to find those things out? We talked about that on the previous podcast, and we mentioned about the three common mistakes, a lack of intentionality, a lack of multiple entry points, and we don't know our players. So I would have both formal surveys and informal surveys, formal being the standpoint of let's have something on the website, let's have something on the men's ministry center uh, table where guys could fill out and give us that feedback. But also, much like you and I are having this conversation, a fireside chat today, the highlight of my ministry as a men's pastor was to have a Barnabas luncheon tour. Mm-hmm. And I would go target these guys on the fringe. I'd go meet them in the workplace environment, take a healthy pride in the skill set that God had given them in whatever they were doing. Charlotte's a big banking industry, so I would spend a lot of time in uptown Charlotte and meet guys uh, during their lunch hour and just commend them uh, for, again, how God had wired them uh, to serve in the marketplace. And then that would be one of the questions. Where are you from originally? And is there any geographical connection? Uh, what are some of your hobbies and interests? You know, what brings you fulfillment in life? And after three or four questions, you'll pretty much trigger something that can connect the dot with another guy onto our campus. I heard a guy tell me one day, he said he liked to fly remote control airplanes. Well, that's not in my wheelhouse. You know, he wasn't a college football fan, so I couldn't let him experience that with me. But I connect the dots with two other guys in the church that like to fly remote control airplanes. They created assimilation. Those three guys got to know one another. They previously had no clue. Each of them had that hobby and interest. And so then they took into an outreach aspect by targeting a local airport. These three guys connected with nine other guys in the community that love to fly remote with their airplanes on Saturday mornings. And eventually we saw some outreach take place just out of that natural activity. So both informally and formally, you begin to collect that data. And we had a master spreadsheet so we could connect the dots with all the hikers, all the fishermen, all the golfers, so on and so forth. So we could see guys begin to build a bridge of friendship that oftentimes would go much deeper into discipleship. You know, and it goes back to what you're saying before about intentionality, because this this takes a, a, 
a specific focus and a plan. You can't just kind of willy nilly do this. You have to have a strategic plan on how you're going to reach these men. And that's what you're laying out for us is that um, the intentionality is in the process of knowing your players, as you say, uh, of knowing them. Now, Coach, we're going to get into a, a, a another thing with these men that seems like I like what you said now about the busyness. I, I, I see that now just incorporating into their life, not adding to it, but taking advantage of what they're already doing and using it as an opportunity to um, build a connection and a bond. But, Coach, what about that guy on the fringe who he's because you mentioned about not being interested um, at all. And I call it apathy. That guy who shies away from spiritual things, he's kind of going out of obligation. <laughs> he doesn't want to, you know, he he feels a little bit inadequate because he doesn't feel he knows as much of the Bible as the other men around him. Or he feels that there's so much he doesn't know. And so he seems to be disinterested in spiritual things. How do you address that particular man on the fringe when he just seems to not want to, he just want to be happy that he's going to heaven <laughs> and he's okay with just showing up and punching in the clock and getting his time in. How do you address that particular guy? Yeah. Saved and satisfied, but not fully surrendered. That's right. how I would uh, chronicle who you're speaking of. Well, again, you know, I think he's going to appreciate me being willing to get on his turf. Uh, we talked about Hebrews five twelve. Another passage of scripture that I really, really relate to is first Thessalonians two, eight where Paul is telling that church at Thessalonica, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. You see, there's two things that Paul is talking about that passage that will be a practical uh, segue into what I want to answer your question about. There's the written word and there's the living word. Scriptural engagement takes place through the written word. Paul says, I'm going to share with you the gospel of God. But in the latter half of 1 Thessalonians 2.8, he wants to give away his life. That's biblical community. And there's got to be a balanced approach. These guys on the fringe are going to respond to the living word before they'll respond to the written word. Now, God has the power to do anything. And I'm not trying to say that we're going to put the written word on the back burner. But the reason these guys are out there kind of kicking the tires and not finding resonance is because, again, how we're attempting to reach them, uh, ineffective ways that have caused them to walk away. So some of that's on our watch as far as that's concerned. Now, as we get to know a guy that you're describing, I may find that he's had a ministry wound or a church wound because uh, in these situations, a lot of times, like I said, we don't want to be a holy joke to these guys. Well, when I come to your gym, I'm not going to shut everything down and, and try to stand up and read uh, you know, the 1611 version of the Bible. No, no. We're just going to experience the ministry of hanging out. I want to give you my life. And I want to have a chance to uh, even prove to the uh, to the uh, the coach at the fitness center about the importance of uh, you know maintaining our body, bodies as the temple of God. And so when that guy sees us, hey, you're just regular guys. You believe in regular guy stuff. But then eventually he begins to see something is different about your life. What what makes you tick? Not only will the guys in his own sphere of influence be impacted that way, but he himself will say, "Wow, you didn't come over here and run over me with a bulldozer." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had no clue. I couldn't go to that Ecclesiastes study on Thursday night because that's uncharted waters for me. So why walk into an inferior situation? But now you're talking about things. You're putting the cookies on the lower shelf. You're explaining matters of faith where I can grasp them and understand them. And you're allowing me to ask questions. There's not piety at all in your outreach. You're just having passion and a desire to go forward. And you want to see me go forward as well. Man can't give away what he hasn't experienced himself. 
So the bottom line is we have to be able to give our lives away to these guys. We earn trust. We build credibility. Then they learn to say, hey, you know what? Now you're modeling the faith that I'm drawn to. Now, Coach, I want you to, I'm going to put you in behind the pulpit for just a second, okay? And Because that makes perfect sense, what you're saying, and I, and I get it. But I'm going to put you behind the pulpit on a typical Sunday when we have, like you said, 40 to 70% of those men who are on the fringe. And I want you to give me two scenarios, okay? And I'm probably putting you on the spot, Coach, by doing this. Give me a scenario of what a pastor could say that would allow him to lose those men and what, as opposed to what he could say to kind of maybe reel those guys in from the fringe. Does that make sense what I'm asking? Exactly. Okay, give, me, see, give me an we, example of each one. Here's the two scenarios and my observations around the country in these 40 states. What happens most of the time is we will celebrate and honor those uh, men who are not rookies at all, but are seasoned veterans. They could be servant leaders, obviously worthy of honor. But we put the uh, highest rung of the ladder out there as the model. Then the average guy sitting out there thinking, well, I don't even have a shot at this thing, much yeah. less if I were to allocate and or rather reallocate my time and reset my priorities. Man, there's about 15 rungs where I can get to his place in life. <laughs> yeah. so we, we, we have to be careful to, yes, you know, uh, esteem those who are worthy of honor, but don't set the bar so high. That'd be one scenario is, is, is setting the bar too high. Then secondly, I was always looking for uh, just average guys who are new to the faith, and all of a sudden, there's a win in their life. And when we get a win uh, under the power of the Holy Spirit, then we should celebrate that. I I've challenged pastors across America, don't just use generic illustrations, use live illustrations with men. What I mean by that is, again, let's do some role play. Let's say that you know, you're starting to engage. We've gone to the fitness center, and over the last six months, Man, God is starting to do some things because after we finish our workout, then you and I do like a cool-down lap, or we may go get a cup of coffee at Starbucks or whatever it is. We, we have a chance to kind of process. We had the physical workout, and we add in a spiritual workout. And this is working really, really good. Now, all of a sudden, you're impacting uh, that, that fitness trainer at the gym, and he, he comes to Christmas Eve service. Well, in mid-January, I'm going to put you on a stool, and I'm going to interview you saying, Joe, listen, man. You know, for the last three or four years, you've been hitting that time clock on Sunday. But we all know you've just been kicking the tires about discipleship. You've always told us that you're too busy. But we've taken a different approach with you, Joe. And we've showed up on your turf. And it seems like now you're wanting to go forward in your faith. But what's important is not only is it an impact on your own family, but you're making an impact in the community. Now, I want you to tell me about Ted, our fitness coach, what we've been experiencing. He's been asking you questions now because he sees a different Joe. When we applaud and affirm even those early steps in the process, then the average guy sitting out there in the church in that 40 to 70 percentile says, wow, now I can relate to that. You know, that J J Joe's just a regular guy. He's taken a few steps. Maybe I need to take a few of those steps and see what God might do in my life. So it's what we choose to celebrate, what we choose to honor. Now, Coach, that is awesome. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping, well, I know we do. We have ministry leaders and pastors who do listen to the podcast because I get emails from them. And what you just said is so important and vital for our church leaders. I'm talking about the ones who get behind that pulpit. Because I got to tell you, Coach, um, I visit a lot of churches as well as you do. And I don't typically see that happening. I'm not saying that they're doing it um, mean-spirited or anything. But you're right. I do see the bar being set so high. 
and thinking, wow, you know, the average man or the average Joe in this case would never see himself there. But very rarely do I see them acknowledge the guy who has succeeded on a lower level, but nonetheless has succeeded and they celebrate that. So you're telling us that we need to be careful in what we celebrate. Um, even if it's a good thing, we have to be very careful and intentional about what we celebrate. That, that makes perfect, perfect sense. It's like a coach watching game film after a young, inexperienced player has participated. Maybe right. he's a second string or third string. All of a sudden, he gets in the game, he gets a few reps, and they'll interview the coach at the uh, press conference. And a coach that wants to build up his players, and Dabo Swinney at Clemson is one of these guys, he'll say, you know what, there's a lot to clean up. It wasn't a perfect rendition of what we're looking for for an eventual starter, but I saw some great things. Man, I saw some crucial blocks. We had some really, really good wrap-ups on the defense or that interception. We've been seeing that potential in the practice sessions, but now we're seeing it on game day. That does nothing but send ripple effects throughout the locker room that, listen, we can accomplish so much more together than any of us can alone. So let's, let's look for ways to celebrate, not to create uh, unhealthy pride in a man who's taking strides for God, but it's uh, encouraging them in the battle, knowing the difficulties to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, and Coach, I'm going to reinforce what you just said based on, and you, you will like this, um, I had a chance to hear Coach uh, Phil Fulmer um, speak um, maybe about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, men in the, not men in the, mirror, um, the Men Ministry Network had a banquet. Here And he was the guest speaker and he had mentioned, I wish I could remember the punter's name, but he said they were in practice and he had they had recruited this punter and he would go over and watch the punter because they have a separate field for the punters. And he would watch this dude just just boom some kicks, 60 yards, 65, 70 yard punts. And he kept watching this guy day after day. And so he wanted the special teams guys to kind of witness this guy punting so they can get used to returning punts from you know um, good kickers so he brought the punter over and the punter kept shanking the kicks I mean he just kicked them sideways and coach said he's looking at this guy and said this cannot be the same punter <laughs> that I've been watching for the past few days and so he goes over to the punter and he says kid what's wrong with you what, what's happening you were booming them before and he said that the punter said coach I get nervous when you're watching me and Coach <laughs> Coach Bummer told him, he said, well, I'm going to be at all the games. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to be watching you the whole game. He says, but Coach said that what it reminded him of, he said, why didn't he celebrate that kid when he was practicing? He just was watching him, but he didn't acknowledge him. And like you said, Coach, he didn't celebrate him for the the wins that he was doing when he was just going through um through the repetitions. He didn't didn't acknowledge him. So of course he never thought Coach was watching him at all. So now he's on a stage where all the players are watching, and now he's shanking the kicks. So he was telling us the same thing you're telling us, Coach, is that you have to connect with people where they are and celebrate them whenever you can. And that's what you're saying. It's so crucial for us to understand that, you know, women are wired by God uh, for security. Men are wired by God for significance. And so to find significance in this whole journey to biblical manhood and to say, wow, when men get it right, everybody wins. That's a church in Indianapolis, Indiana, their mantra. So when a guy captures that, wow, I can take a few small steps mm -hmm. and I'm not, I'm not even on the green yet, but I'm certainly getting closer to the green. And I aspire to get to where these other guys are. And they begin to reach out to me and uh, don't have tunnel vision and just focus on what's going on in their world. 
But let's go out there and, and crawl on a man's foxhole, get to know him, get to see the wiring mechanism, what wounds or issues that he's dealing with. And it's amazing to see what God will do. And they just applaud when you see God at work. Celebrate that. And it just sends a ripple effect throughout the entire locker room. Now, Coach, I'm going to really challenge you on this this question because you brought it up again with some of the obstacles that these men on the fringe have to overcome. And it's the lack of priorities as far as the wrong priorities. And I say it's a challenging question because now you're getting into that that sensitive area um, of men's lives and their hearts when God is not their top concern, that their families may not be their top concerns. Um, their relationships, their marriage may not be their top concern, but we we know that God is not really at the top of the list. How or how, you know, you mentioned about how to connect with that guy who thinks he's too busy and that the man who has that apathy and is not interested. But how do you help men on the fringe make God a priority without pushing them away? That's a great question. And uh, obviously, life-on-life -life discipleship, you know, takes uh, oftentimes uh, much longer than we would anticipate because it takes a long time to make a male disciple. But let's say we've earned that credibility. we built that trust. To go back to our little role-playing exercise, we've spent six months together, and you're feeling uh, like I'm a trustworthy impact on what's going on. I, I would typically ask these three questions in our one-on-one -on -one time. For me, the, uh, the mindset was on this luncheon tour because that worked for my particular scenario. It could be at any uh, time of the day when this takes place. But again, based upon the common ground of a hobby or instance, we may both enjoy. But the three questions I would typically ask, very simple. How are things at work? How are things at home? And how are things in your walk? And then the guy that I'm looking to mentor, disciple, to express this ministry of hanging out. Now we're getting to where the rubber meets the road. And he would drive the train based upon maybe challenges at work. Maybe things are going great at home because his wife is affirming him and applauding him. But at work, he's having some very difficult situations. Or maybe he's finding great success at work, but he hasn't learned how to love his wife as Christ loved the church. He needs parenting wisdom. He needs to be able to control his anger. His volcano erupts too often and his kids don't see him as that role model. So he's he's got to rebuild that trust with their lives. Or it could be in his own walk, you know, there's some challenges or some blockages that's keeping him from making progress. And so when you begin to open guys up and they begin to share with you their innermost thoughts, then as a foxhole friend, you begin to sow seed in their lives. Now listen, how much of that is on your watch? What do you need to own? What what is some stuff that you need to take responsibility for? And or if you don't have that parenting wisdom or you need anger management uh, coaching, then listen, that's why we have these groups that meet on Monday nights, or that's why these guys gather over here, or that's why my wife and I get together with some couples to increase marital harmony. And so it could be in a, in a mixed gender context where the guy could grow in marital harmony if that's needed. But the bottom line is you've got to earn that trust, you've got to develop that bridge, and then begin to ask good pointed questions where they'll begin to open up and share with you their innermost thoughts and then you're guided by the Holy Spirit to lead them to the right next step. And that's that's great information, Coach. Uh, you know, I, I love talking to you, Coach, because I learned so much. As much as I've been in this now and meet so many men, I still pick up so many different things from you when it comes down to just the little subtleties. Because I think a lot of times we look at the big things, but what you're saying, what I get from you every time I talk to you, is that don't, you know, 
it's in the details. It's in the little small things that we do that we think don't make a difference. But any small thing that it that it takes to build trust and to draw men in, we can't overlook the little, those little things. So I appreciate you pointing that out. Now, Coach, from now let's go back from the responsibility of us as a church body, as um as the ministry leader at the church. You mentioned before, and you mentioned this on the on episode twenty one about not having multiple entry points for men that the on ramps, as you say. Now. I know there's multiple ways you would go out there to cast a net to reach some of these guys. But if there was a, a, a group right now, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about a man, in, uh, a, a particular man prototype right now who has an interest in a heart for men's ministry. And he's has no idea of now how to pull these men together and not only pull them together, but keep them together. If he had to have some staples into these entry points that he, that he must have as a ministry leader, what will be those entry points at the minimum that he should have built in to this quote system of men's ministry? Well, the first thing I would start with for that particular leader is to develop a team roster. You know, you walk into the average church and they've had Olin Mills or some group come in and shoot pictures and they have a church directory. And much like when you, a guy hands you a business card, that tells you what he what he does. It doesn't tell you who he is. Right. And, and a church directory gives me a pictorial analogy of that church. But a team roster dives down deep into some of these various characteristics. Where does the guy consider himself in this whole journey? Going back to Podcast 21, I would always ask these fringe guys. I saw them being on the fringe. I saw them in that 40 to 70 percentile. But I would use a digital readout. Are they 2.2? 2.7, 2.5. There's a lot of movement between that second and third category being that cultural Christian who's on the fringe or that biblical disciple who's getting on the green of life. So where does the guy see himself? I may see him as a coach at a 2.5. He's making strides. He's making progress. But the evil one may have so squashed his uh, confidence in God, he sees himself at a 2.1. And so you got to know your players, and that comes from your team roster, beginning to pray for those guys and ask God for some open doors. Mm-hmm. The second thing he needs to do is then begin to evaluate what we call a ministry audit. What's going on in the church now we need to be leveraging? Existing ministries. These are the current on-ramps. And then, what are some non-existing ministries based on my surveys coming in with my, my guys as I get to know them? And again, informally, it could just be over the round of discussion. If I don't have a fitness center outreach effort, if I'm having a discussion with you, you move to town from Chattanooga to Charlotte, and I hear that's your hobby and interest, i got to get that dot connected if I'm not involved in a fitness center. And then as you and another guy begin to develop chemistry over that, hey, how's it going, Joe? Oh, man, we're just hitting it off real well. Three months, six months, whatever. So that's an on-ramp is to use your fitness center. Going back to why we're too busy, well, let's just leverage what's already there. So that's what we call the leverage versus launch principle. A leader needs to evaluate what is happening right now on their church campus, they could be leveraging. And then, as they begin to get to know players, much like the three guys doing the remote control airplanes, that was something we end up launching based on the fact there were three guys there. And you're going to look for clusters. If for some one-offs, you know, uh, I can't always launch something for every individual where there's only one person currently involved. I would go to the person who had a single interest in a matter and say, listen, when God begins to send two or three other guys here, then if we're going to look at launching something, I'd like you to head this up. Or I would want to be a kingdom networker. Maybe there's another church in the community that on Thursday night, you know, those guys meet for their archery club. 
and uh, they're shooting bow and arrows for an hour. Then they get together and have a cup of coffee around a campfire and go to these three questions we talk about. How are things at home? How are things uh, at work? How are things in your walk? So I would take advantage of some keen networking if I couldn't launch it yet. But to understand the leverage versus launch principle existing versus non-existing ministries. Oh, that is great, Coach. I love that. Leverage versus launch. And I think a lot of times we jump to the launch without leveraging what we currently have. And so, Bingo. Yeah, that is that is excellent. That is excellent. Now, before we get into you sharing some um, in the I call it in the trenches story of some of the success stories you've had with working with men on the fringe. I want to address uh, another type of man. And he's not a man on the fringe, but he's a frustrated man. And I'm going to paint this scenario for you. And I want to what advice would you give him? Because I think there's a lot of men who can relate to this. Let's say it's that man who now goes to a new church. Okay, he goes to a church and he he has a he's not a man on man on the fringe because he actually wants to be connected. He wants to get involved. He wants to um, find some foxhole friends. And, and I guess that's what the pastor would want him to do if he came to his church anyway. But if he, but I want you to picture this man going to this church and he it's hard for him to connect. With other men because they seem to be giving him the Heisman. You know what I'm talking about, coach. <laughs> that they're not allowing him to get in to get close enough. So he feels a little bit like, wow, um, these guys know um, know me, but they don't. They're not really getting to know me on a deeper level as I would want them to know. So what do you tell that guy before he gets frustrated and maybe leaves his church, or even I hate to say it, maybe even turn his back on God because he thinks that this is how Christians are. You, you know what I'm talking about, right, Coach? That guy who feels like no one really sees him when he comes to church. What would you tell him to do from a standpoint of getting connected to the church body? That's a great point, Joe. And a lot of those guys are being left behind, tragically, who want to take a next step. Right. But again, there's not an on-ramp for, them to provi- uh, to, to, for that to be provided. A lot of churches will have more what I call a country club mindset, you know, and they got this closed uh, approach towards what's happening. And so, hey, we got these guys on the green. We got these guys close on the pin. Uh, you guys on the fringe, y'all really don't care. You're busy. It's not important to you. They kind of have that little bit of a mantra. Therefore, they come across as a holy joke. If I was a guy wanting to take the next steps, then I would sit down. If it's a large church, it may be your discipleship pastor or your shepherding elder. If it's a small church, take your pastor to lunch and say, listen, you know, God's uh, moving in my life. And uh, I'm new to the congregation. I want to make sure I haven't missed something here. But but on the outside looking in, it seems difficult to break through some of the existing venues that are set up for guys to grow in their faith. And uh, a wise pastor may say, well, listen, would you be willing to help us launch a brand new one? We've been looking for uh, some fresh insights and some new participation. And maybe we can launch a new group. Or, you know what, the, 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 the current leader of the group that I feel like that you will fit the best with you know, right now his uh, his parents are in a caregiving mode, and he's been out of town for the last couple of months. He'll be back after the holidays. And I bet at the first of the year, he would love to bring you in as an apprentice and to help you participate with that group and also potentially launch one. There'd be wisdom and discernment that the leadership would have grasp of the history of the church and the current culture and what the discipleship venues they could provide. So I'd want to get that fact-finding uh, information from a pastoral pastoral staff person before then I jumped ship and, and got left behind. Because oftentimes we can solve the issue there. It at least brings it to their attention. 
Now, if the church lacks intentionality and they kind of get blown off and, well, you know, just hang in there and just go to that men's breakfast on Saturday morning. Well, <laughs> right. the, the, the guy doesn't want to allocate time for that. He doesn't want to flip pancakes. He wants to talk about these things we're talking about. How are things at home? When you and I have those discussions at the fitness center, we don't want to go backwards into fellowship. We want to go forward into discipleship. So we can either be a catalyst for change and or we may be the new champion, you know, because a lot of the times the guys look at me and say, who me, coach? You want me to go lead? Hey, I'm going to co-lead this with you. And a wise leader would, would branch out with somebody and say, listen, yeah, that's kind of a good old boys mentality over there. So they kind of got their thing going. Let, let's go launch this new one because you know what? There's five or six other guys that feel just like you do. They just haven't had the guts to come and share this yet. Right. And right. so oh, in our team roster, let's begin to think through who might be some guys we could invite. Can you host this at your clubhouse and your subdivision on Thursday nights? Because I'll come and lead it if you'll be the facilitator. And those kind of things can spark a brand new uh, wave of momentum and create some great uh, camaraderie with some other guys that are also being left behind. This is really good information because I know there got to be men out there who, you know, we just assume, oh, yeah, we're the church and we're trying to reach those men on the fringe. Not realizing that we need to, like you said, take a look at ourselves and maybe the guy who's not on the fringe wants to get in, but we're not allowing him to be in. So I love the fact that you're able to empower that particular guy to say, hey, you don't have to give up. You don't have to quit. You can either be, like you said, a catalyst or you can be the change. So thanks for sharing that. I'm glad you pointed that out. And I think that's going to bless a lot of men out there who are listening to this. Now, coach, we're, we're running down on time, but I do not want to shortchange you on this. What have been some of your unique results that you've witnessed yourself um, and reaching these men on the fringe. You've given us a lot of different examples, but I know you've worked with a lot of men. Share some of uh, your best um, your best um, stories from reaching these men on the fringe so we can give us some, leave us with some hope. I was invited to speak at a men's rally in um, Palm Coast, Florida uh, a couple months ago. And uh, it was their new men's initiative. The men's leadership team began to develop a roster. Uh, they had some strong interest. The church was lacking intentionality. And so uh, they said, would you come and speak and, at our first rally? I said, I'd be honored to. And so when I go into these settings, then I like to do some role playing myself. And so they had a nice barbecue meal. It was on a Monday night. And so I looked over the audience of a couple hundred guys uh, or gathering, I should say, before we moved into the place where we we're going to have the rally. But so with the barbecue meal, I looked for a guy that was seated all by himself and I found one. And so I went and sat down. I began to have this conversation. I said, hey, what, what brings you here tonight? Now, he had no clue I was going to be the speaker. So I'm just, you know, flying under the radar, just trying to find one guy that I can speak to that particular night. And this was the guy. He had been attending the church for about a year. He was kind of kicking the tires on Saturday night at their service. It was a large church, had multiple services on the weekend. And, uh, but he was in a runner's club on Sundays. And so the guys in the community would go out and run, you know, 10Ks, maybe even half uh, marathons on occasion. So he, that was a, he was allocating his time on Sunday. So he was coming on Saturday night to kind of kick the tires. So the next step for him was, hey, they're launching something for men. I'm looking to make connections. I haven't moved beyond the large group on Saturday night uh, or even the weekend event. So let's go try this on Monday. So I began to just, you know, get to know who he was and his background. And, and the more he began to describe himself to me, he was a classic fringe guy. And uh, then he asked me the question. He said, so what brings you here tonight? And I said, <laughs> you're the guy that God sent me to reach tonight. 
I said, I'm a life-on-life guy, a one-on-one guy. I'm, I'm glad that a couple hundred guys are here. I'm glad for the future efforts of this particular congregation. But I would have driven down here from North Carolina just to talk to you tonight. His name was Joe, by the way. Wow. And I, I, <laughs> I, I said, Joe, do I have permission to share your story anonymously tonight to the guys? He said, absolutely. So I went up there and, and shared uh, uh, some concepts and then I used him as my illustration. Like I said, we always should personalize these things. Even going back to your previous thought, you know, the pastor in that church who may have a lunch with this guy who wants to be a, a new facilitator of a new men's group, that's the guy that should show up on a, on a stool on Sunday and the pastor interview him. Hey, fellas, if there's other guys up to, out here like this, we would encourage you to, to launch together. So I was telling this story uh, to this group. And we had a breakout session for the guys to do some follow-up discussion questions. And I went over to the table where Joe was seated, and he was fully engaged. He was being fully accepted. And I thought, thank you, God, for this win in Joe's life. The smile on his face, the countenance had totally changed from the barbecue meal to uh, the time of him really being able to grasp that God wanted to work in and through him. And I just reached over and I said, Joe, I feel prompted by God that we should reveal your identity tonight at the final prayer huddle. And he said, absolutely, coach, every how God might lead you. And I said, listen, I don't want to coerce this. I want this to be something you're comfortable with. But I said, I think the men would be encouraged. So after the discussion times, they came up and made a few final. Uh, it was right before the Florida State-Clemson game, so they gave me a Florida State jersey in <laughs> honor of our upcoming rivalry game. <laughs> and they said, we want you to lead us in this prayer huddle, which obviously you know very well. That's my calling card. And I brought Joe to the center of the huddle, and I said, guys, this is my new friend, Joe. This is the guy that I had a barbecue meal with tonight. This is the guy that's here to kick the tires. He's the man on the fringe. He's being left behind. Over the last year, he's drifted in and out on Saturday nights to kind of see what's going on. Tonight, he's here to investigate. Is there anybody here that will accept me? Can I belong before I believe? And I just would like you guys to know, I'd like to pass the baton to somebody who's willing to take it and run the next lap. So you can befriend Joe, you can walk alongside Joe, you can eventually reach out to his running buddies on Sunday morning, because it's not about what happens just strictly on this campus tonight within this congregation. There's a community at large awaiting to be reached, and it's going to be one Joe at a time. And so I want to know who, are, who is willing to take the baton. And all 200 guys gave a thunderous applause and just rallied around him in that final prayer huddle. So you see there's guys like Joe that come in to kick the tires. They're kind of checking things out. And if we have that country club mentality, these guys can be left behind. Somebody's got to have the spiritual foresight. Somebody's got to have the personal calling to make sure, hey, is there anybody out there we've overlooked? Is there anybody out there that's fallen between the cracks? Oh, it's not something we do intentionally, much like you mentioned about the pastors earlier. It's out of neglect or ignorance. So we got to make sure that we get to know our players, develop our team roster, so that all the Joes out there will not be left behind, including those on the fringe. Give a man what he needs in the context of what he wants through the ministry of hanging out. Coach, I tell you, you know, I mentioned earlier about you, one of my favorite people to interview. Um, I, I love you as a man. I love your passion and your heart for men. And every time I talk to you, and it just encourages me because um, I know there's a lot of men, men's ministry leaders out there who can relate to um, to what I'm getting ready to say is that it can be very frustrating sometimes. It can be very discouraging because you have such a heart for men. And then when they don't respond the way you expect them to respond, um, you tend to think, well, God, maybe this is not for me. Maybe this maybe I'm not the one. But 
every time I talk to you, coach, you just remind us that it just takes it takes patience. Um, it takes uh, not only passion, but patience. And it is a process that you have to go through. And it requires intentionality. And I've watched you, you know, hearing your story about this, this the, the Joe, the guy named Joe that you met. Coach, I've watched you in action do stuff like this all the time. And so that's one reason why I respect you so much, because you walk the talk. And I'm going to try to share this episode with as many ministry leaders as I possibly can. I mean, beyond the podcast, just send them out to people, because I believe that this needs to be heard and it needs to be implemented And the way you break it down. Coach, I can tell why you were a great coach. You make it simple and plain. That the only reason that we're not doing this is because out of disobedience and we all should be doing this if we really want to truly make disciples. So I, I just, you know, this is the end of our show. And I think this is a great way to end the show. But, Coach, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on the show again and really blessing our listeners, because I know you bless me in reaching those men on the fringe. Thank you so much for joining us again. Joe, it's been an honor as always, and uh, God has big things in store for you. I appreciate your heart for God and your heart for men, and uh, I would just remind the listeners that may be struggling with uh, having enough patience with some of these fellows that are lagging behind. They may say, oh, I'm, I'm not leaving those guys behind. They're, they're just lagging behind, so I'm, I'm getting frustrated waiting on them, mm-hmm. and this is my final thought. We're all links in a chain. We're not always going to be the last link in the chain. God may call you to be the first link in the chain or a middle link in the chain. Just be a faithful link in the chain. Remember, all is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. We can't provide human coercion. Let's pray for spirit conviction. And in time and in God's way, we will see these men on the fringe join us on the green and get closest to the pen and go back and pack others who are on the fringe to bring them along on the journey to biblical manhood. Amen. Amen. And that's desires my heart, too, as well, Coach. Uh, now, Coach, if they wanted to get in contact with you, what's the best way to reach out to you, um, either through social media or email? What would be the best way to connect with you? Sure. My email address is CoachKMVP, as in men of valor and prayer, at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, MVP, with a, with a uh, period between each of those uh, letters, M.V.P. And Jeff Kasaya, K-I-S as in Sam, I-A-H, as in Harry, on Facebook. We chronicle a lot of these stories uh, from the Joes we meet and stuff like that. But uh, bottom line is we're excited about men that want to go forward with this whole process of being effective in reaching and discipling men. And we'll look forward to connecting with them in the future to see no man left behind. And, Coach, you know me. I'm always going to reach out to you because I'm sure we'll have you back on the show again. to talk about another topic because I know you're always into doing something different and something new and innovative with men. So I'm always um, interested in what you're doing. So I would love to have you back on the show again. Well, you know, while my personal calling is to reach men on the fringe, a really close second is another one of these five types of men, and that's hurting men. They're asking the question, question, where is God? And you see, when, when God is silent, he is never absent. We got to provide hope to these men who are asking that question, and I'd love to come back and talk about men with broken mirrors. Hey, you've already said I love it. I wrote it down right now. <laughs> Have Coach K back on for talking about hurting men because you know what? That's my one of my passions is reaching that particular man because I was that man. And so, Coach, thank you so much. 
And to all of you guys out there listening, please do us a favor. This is so important. Take about 30 seconds and go over to iTunes and rate the program. And especially you want to share this episode with any men you know, know out there who are trying to reach other men and they're struggling or they're having a hard time or they're getting discouraged. Trust me, this will bless them. And guys, leave that review for us because it's the best way to help us get this program in the hands, ears and hearts of men just like you. Guys, you've made us number one for Christian men, uh, mentoring and discipleship. Let's keep us there. So please don't keep us a secret. Share us with your friends. Until next time, I'm Joe Martin, your man builder with RealMenConnect.com, reminding you that we are males by birth, but we are men by choice. So each and every day, choose to be the man God called and created you to be because a male is a terrible thing to waste. So until next time, stay strong, stay blessed, and as always, stay in his grip. Thank you for listening to the Real Men Connect podcast with Dr. Joe Martin. Real Men Connect isn't just a podcast. It's a mission, ministry, and movement to help good men become the great men God called and created us to be. And the best is yet to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us to build the podcast and to reach, teach, and impact more men, all for the glory of God. And make sure you check out realmenconnect.com to get our free tools and resources to help you go from good man to great man God's way. Again, that's realmenconnect.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.